Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Well, you have a fun Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. I'm here with Connie Vanderzanden of ProfitWithConnie.com. And I know, I know you do not want to talk about money. And also I know that it's really important to talk about money and finances and all that good stuff. So we're going to do that. And before we do full disclosure, I get so many emails from PR firms and influencers and all people trying to get me to interview them. And I have said no to 100% of them, except for Connie. I don't know why, except that I think she's amazing in the sense that like, she's willing to talk about the things that other people don't want to talk about and then talk about money as well. And so it's not just like accounting, money, systems, profit, not give a fuck. It's accounting, money, systems, profit, and also you're a human. So welcome, Connie. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I think it's important to to show behind the scenes and uh, know that even accounting professionals don't have their shit together. <laughs> Hell yes. You give, like, you give us hope and life. Cause I'm very certain that Carl, my accountant has his shit together. It's like, oh, he's like, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's part of what me, you know, it's hard to have an accountant that has their shit together. Cause they're just like, why don't you have this form filled out? You know, like you've had, you know, days to fill this out. <laughs> because every email from you scares me, Carl. Yes. Always. <laughs> yes. So will you tell me a little bit about your money story? Because you work with numbers and also you seem downright human. And I'm probably going to keep saying that because it's such a weird dichotomy in terms of like online money and accounting peoples. I'm like, how is this possible? And what happened to you? So anything that you want to share to start is fantastic. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I did uh, choose a career. Uh, it was going to be short term. We were going to have kids and infertility showed up and I just kind of stayed in the career of accounting and got into working with public accounting. And I started to really enjoy that to work with a variety of people, but I really never liked it that much. It wasn't my passion, but I did end up building a business and grew the business. And I've been doing this now for 19 years, but about three years ago, I was like, if you don't like it, why are you doing this? And so to look back at what I liked was the one-on-one -on -one conversation with business owner, owners and really talking to them about what was going on in their business. And most of the time, my clients are women entrepreneurs and they don't have anyone to talk to. I didn't have anyone to talk to when I went through growth. You know, that real story mm -hmm. you know, about, oh my gosh, I don't have enough money to pay rent. Oh, I have to make payroll next week. How does that work? You know, those, those questions where it looks like we're shiny and bright on the outside and, and successful, but on the inside, we are just falling apart because we're still hustling, which happens between, you know, years zero to five or seven hustle happens. Mm -hmm. And it's when I finally looked at that and said, oh, okay, I really enjoy the conversation with clients. And I learned a lot with my own money story because I built the business, grew the business, hired team members, got commercial space, went six years without paying myself and created 50,000 in debt. And as an accounting professional to have that happen, you know, who, who does that? Well, somebody who hasn't really looked at their relationship with money and healed it. I was still waiting for my prince to show up and save everything. And mm. you can't 
do that as an entrepreneur. You can't do that as a, as a business owner. And so I had to take a hard look at what my mindset was around money, how I was raised with it, and how did I want to have it to support me moving forward? So I had to grow a lot. I had to um, have some hard conversations. I closed my business office and moved back to a home office. And we've just been evolving ever since. I think I'm on my like fourth website and my third ev evolution of this business model. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And can we just normalize that too? That like, just because you make a website doesn't mean that that's going to be what you do for the rest of life. Like it's no, locked in. <laughs> no, no. no, but during through all of that, I did find human design and it's actually my soul's purpose. It's my purpose this time on earth to make numbers easy for people, but it didn't mean I had to be in the numbers. So that was the most freeing opportunity I had to like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, there are people that love the numbers like your accountant, he probably loves the numbers. He should be in them. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he is even with me. <laughs> and everybody else needs to know communication skills to talk to that number focused person. We need, you know, somebody else that can interpret what they're saying so that, that we can put it in real context of how it, it works in our business. And that's, that's what I do. I share my own personal story and struggles um, and all the things I've learned plus interpret what's going on in the accounting world so that regular, regular human beings understand. It's amazing. I want to go back for a second, say 19 years doing this work and six years without pay, because I guarantee that there's somebody listening that has done similar, like three, four, five, six years without pay. Can you speak to what that does to a person and to what sort of helped you shift from I'm not paying myself and that's fine into like, uh, no more, this, this has to change. Yes. And, and I will uh, call out my own privilege at that point. Um, I did have somebody at home that was bringing in a paycheck that paid the bills. And that's the other part about when we look at comparisonitis, when we look at somebody else who's doing the same work, you don't know what the story is behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people we see online that's selling things, they also had a spouse at home that was paying for things so they could reinvest and do stuff. So be aware of who's talking and where they were in their life. Uh, but I was reinvesting and constantly reinvesting for those six years as I was building. And the awareness was my co a coach at a time finally made me sit down and go, you know, there are, there are things the business is paying that you would have to pay for personally if you weren't an entrepreneur. So technically the business is compensating you a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so knowing your number and looking at it and going, oh yeah, the business is doing, paying me a little bit. It's just not in a salary. It's not in a paycheck. It's not contributing to my household finances mm -hmm. and like claiming that piece. And a lot of it was, I had to also work on my relationship with my husband and money. We could, of course, Spender and a saver are normally drawn together. So you may have uh, dynamics in your partnerships where somebody has an opposite money love than you do. And so he was a saver and really did not like debt. And I didn't see anything wrong with debt. In fact, I had a codependency with debt. And so I had to figure that out, how to talk to him about it. And that was part of the hardest part, I think, was like, showing him the numbers, telling him like, yeah, the business didn't contribute to the household and this is what I needed to do. So I had to get back online because there, there was, I was stuck. There was nothing in my life I could do if I didn't have a business that wasn't supporting me. Like I, if I wanted to leave the relationship, there was no way I could do it. The business couldn't support a second household. And so those types of questions came up and I was like, okay, I need to start creating a sustainable model. First of all, I was exhausted because when you aren't paying yourself and you aren't contributing to your own lifestyle, you're not taking care of yourself. You mm -hmm. can't give your best self to the business. And the other, so the other piece was I had to intentionally put myself first when it came to the finances in the business, make sure that I was paying myself first and then creating a smaller bucket for operating expenses. So there was a lot of relationship building around money that I had to do to do that. So, um, but yeah, you get to that rock bottom moment and you have to like decide where, 
what's, what's the line? What can you do? And are you willing to do it? Because sometimes businesses get to that point and they might be ready to just close. Mm-hmm. You might be ready to shift. And sometimes it's, it's helpful to not just feel like you're all, all alone to talk to somebody. Not, probably not an employee or a team member, but maybe a coach or a therapist or a friend, a colleague that can see it from a different point of view and give you ideas. Because it's not always about cutting costs. It might be about raising your prices. It might be changing your intentional use of money. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that when we get to that rock bottom moment, we might need a little helping hand so that we can get out of it, which is what I had to do. Yeah, that story sounds both enlightening and difficult. <laughs> Everything about that sounds enlightening and difficult. Um, you used a phrase I've never heard before, which is codependency with debt. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that sort of looks like in general terms or in personal terms, however you feel comfortable? Sure. I had a coach that recommended or suggested to uh, put my credit card to freeze it, put it in the, in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And I, I just had my whole body shut down. And it was, I could feel, it was like, it was my right arm that just couldn't move. I had a little panic attack on the call and I had to really look back about why, why is this so freaking me out about freezing a card? It's not like I'm cutting it up. It's not like I'm closing the account. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to freeze it. And I had to look back at a couple other situations uh, when we went to refinance the house we were underwater, which means that they um, froze the home equity line of credit. Again, I had a very similar reaction. And my husband, my partner at the time said, this, it's not our money. Why are you freaking out? And then I had to realize for some reason, when I could see the, the available debt, that was my money, that was my opportunity. And that could be because as, as a spender, that was my opportunity to do X, Y, or Z. And now not having access to that, not being able to physically see the card or something, I was shutting my access to opportunities down. Mm. <laughs> and I've not yet figured out where that came from because, you know, growing up, I came from a household that didn't talk about money. We didn't really talk about debt, but I think when you take your inner four, we learn everything about money between the ages of three to seven. So whatever we were interacting with our households is often what we carry into our business. And so somewhere around that time frame, um, my parents did get divorced. And so my, my relationship with money got settled into my body that it was, there wasn't a lot, not that it was lacking, but there wasn't a lot. We had to make certain choices around it mm-hmm. and that it was a representation of love because having two households now you would get gifts and things when you didn't see your dad or something you know so mm-hmm. it was it was an interesting interplay and so now I've had to look at debt and go I love you know I I appreciate debt I understand that it could be really helpful for a lot of people and it's a short-term fix what are we how are we going to pay it back. What's the plan for that? And what is your debt maximum that you're able to um, carry or be comfortable with? And um, some people aren't comfortable at all carrying debt. Uh, And I find though that a lot of entrepreneurs are. And so we have to just be open about that and figuring out what the plan is so that the debt doesn't doesn't get so heavy that it can close the business and close and really shut down the creativity of the entrepreneur. Yeah. Oh, say more about that, please. The the carrying of debt and the shutting down of the sort of imagination and creativity around it. Like how does, how do you see that playing out with your, with your humans that you work with? Well, um, for me, debt got to be really heavy. And I was, that was the only thing I would focus on. And it tends to be when I work with entrepreneurs that are carrying a lot of debt too. Our first conversation is where is debt? 
have we paid down the card? Is there enough room to do things? And it starts, you know, that when you have a charge that doesn't go through and you start getting emails that things aren't processing, mm -hmm. then you start thinking about all the lack. And when our brain goes to that situation and we're having to, you know, make, give it, put another credit card into play or, or make sure there's cash paying down, we don't have opportunity to see anything else. We're looking down. And so we're looking at and feeling that lack and that shrinkage. And for our creativity to really expand, we need to be looking physically up mm -hmm. and feeling that, that there's an abundance. And an abundance is not just cash flow, but it's an abundance in our life and that we have everything we're taking care of. And if we can't access that feeling of abundance, then our creativity can't kick in, at least in my and what I see in my clients and what I remember feeling at that moment where I just, I couldn't do anything. And my cards always, money always talked to me when I would go travel. That is when they would freak out. <laughs> they would all, they would all freak out, you know, all of a sudden there would be some fraud or something. And so debt always wanted to be top of mind for me until I made a new relationship with it. <laughs> Fascinating. And what helped you shift from that place of, because um, you're talking about it in ways that I haven't really encountered before, there's this debt and the lack and the sort of looking down and the deadening creativity. And how did you turn that around? Because I assume, even though you call out your privilege earlier, that somebody didn't just like step in and pay down 50 grand for funsies all at oh, once. No. <laughs> right. So how did that, how did that, so for everyone that's like in debt um, and that's, that's in that place of lack, there's, there are steps forward. And what did those look like for you? The first step and, and through any of this, even when you want to change your business or that you realize that you're not bringing enough into your household is we have to know our numbers. And that can be the part where you may want to get somebody to help with, to sit across from you. That's not emotionally attached to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's always a lot of fear to have somebody sit across from you to do that. And so making sure you find someone that feels that you feel safe and secure in your own body to do. Um, and a very number focused person probably isn't going to be the right one <laughs> to do that with, mm -hmm. but we got to know our numbers. Where are we starting? And so even with debt to like write it down, figure out where you're at, uh, what the interest rates are so that you can now educate, very educated, see the black and white of it to make a decision of what you want to go to next. For me, it was refinancing the debt. It was um, finding a different loan that I could qualify for that paid down all the credit cards so that I could start fresh. And the, so the debt then became a loan that had to be paid every month, but it was, it was easier to manage for me and I could not use the cards, cut them up, close them, whatever I needed to do. And then I created rules that I would that I would follow, that I was willing to do, like be intentional with your words is the second pillar I teach. Be intentional with your words and how you use money. And so one of my rules is that I always pay my cards off every month now and I don't let the debt increase. If there is an expense that I want to increase the debt for, then I have to make a plan of how I'm going to pay that back. Um, and it's, it's like, forgiving yourself too. When you went, to, when I went to go refinance the debt, I had to forgive my younger self for creating it because there's that, all that shame and guilt that, that can be created around debt for people. Mm -hmm. And our younger selves didn't know any better. Like I said, I don't know where my attachment to debt came from. It didn't come from my household, but it did come from my younger self as I got to be an adult uh, in parentheses, <laughs> right? Small adult, yeah. Um, but this adult, you know, in our society, teaching us that you know, you, 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 everything is bought on credit, and but not how to really be in relationship with it. So my younger self knew didn't know any better, and really working on that forgiveness piece so that you can choose to make a different choice uh, around how it's used moving forward. Awesome. And so, yeah, when I was picturing sitting down with someone to look at the numbers, 
I was just like, oh, this question, which feelings of guilt and shame around money can we help those listening to dispel? Like where are peeps just not alone because the, the feelings about money are so common, but if we're left to our own devices and our own numbers, um, we might feel like, oh, I'm the only one that this happens to, or I'm the only one who feels this way, or I'm the only one who made this mistake. And yeah, you're not. It's <laughs> our education system for poorly training us that there is a right and a wrong with a number. The numbers are just, just the facts. It's just how the business is keeping score. There is actually no emotional attachment to them. And that's why when you go to a, a tax pro or a bookkeeper who is very number focused, they're not emotionally attached to the numbers. And, but somehow we learned like we have to get good grades. We, maybe our parents encouraged us <laughs> to get good grades in math. Mm-hmm. And so we put a lot of emotional attachment to that. And then of course, in money, the gift giving or not having enough, there was that emotional tie that we got from our parents, which was actually their stress or their, their attempt at love um, because that's what they knew as well. But there is actually no emotional attachment. Money is just energy, just like our coffee cups or the chair I'm sitting in. It's just energy. It, it, right now, it is the energy that we exchange goods and services for. And so it's here to help support our lives. So how can you change your relationship like see, to see money as this amazing thing that is available for us to make big changes in the world that can change generational poverty that can and you know change our community for the better and support us how can you see more abundance in that in that flow that's the probably one of the most healing pieces i had to do with money uh and that just starts with like just being grateful for it and finding all the things that it brings to your life I love it. And you've done it without talking about manifesting, which is also really beautiful. Um, yeah. what about- oh, I did that. I, I waited for money to drop on my doorstep. It didn't. <laughs> Welcome to everyone. <laughs> it actually takes action, but we you know, got to know your numbers so you can know what number, what, what, how much needs to be created. And I know that most entrepreneurs, most creatives, mm-hmm. once you give them a number, they, they can create it. So they can be so creative on what opportunities they might bring in, but they have to know what the number is. And the, and the unfortunate part is as a creative, and I include myself in that categories, we just don't want to look at the numbers. Um, and I would pick a number out of the air to do, but, and once it might've been received, it didn't fix anything. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. about knowing that not what the number actually needs to be so that you can create it so that you know that that is, has an intentional purpose an intentional use in your life and business. Beautiful. And then I remember, um, past me, um, uh, would, I remember there was a point, this is before I owned a business and I was like 20 something thousand dollars in debt, let's say $27,000 in debt. And the, the mail would come and it would stack up and it would stack up. And I would be like, I know what that is. And I'm not looking at it. Um, So do you have any words for the people who have so much like stuff, whatever it is around money that they can't bring themselves to look at the numbers? Is there like a baby step, a halfway point, a tip, a trick, a pro move, anything? (laughs) A a pro move um, is to make a, a time each week to pay attention to money. And that could be 15 minutes to start with. And it's about just repetition and holding that space and holding that intention that you do want to create a better relationship with money. And so a lot of my, the clients I work with in a, in a group a couple of years ago, we call it, it's, you call it a money Monday, wealthy Wednesday, whatever date you want to pick. And you can pick whatever date and time you want, mm-hmm. but ground yourself and make sure you, your body and your, whatever you need to be present. Like for me, I have to have a cup of tea as something hot that I can hold. I might also uh, pull uh, some tarot cards or bring some 
crystals into play, you know, something that helps me be present, light a candle, and then be with the numbers, look at them, open the mail, um, get them into a spreadsheet or, or even on a pencil and paper, um, whatever, whatever tool makes sense for you in whatever space in your life is going on right now. Just be with them. And then gradually you'll start doing more with the numbers, but it's just about knowing what they are and looking at them and tracking what, how you're spending them. How, how are you using money in your life? Um, as a spender, I know that when I'm not as filled up, I will try to use money to fill the holes and that doesn't work. And so I have some things like, you know, waiting 48 hours before I say yes to a purchase or, you know, putting the cards in a place where I can't get to them all, all the time. So it's, but you got to know that and you won't know that until you start looking at your habits and how money is coming into your life. Beautiful. I love that that just makes regular time and it makes it just part of life instead of this weird other that you avoid continuously. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about natural spenders, natural savers? What does cash flow saving and handling money look like for those two creatures? And full disclosure, I am a spender spender. There's no amount of money that I cannot spend. Please feel free to just send me all your money and I will prove this right. Um, so what, how does that work? And what do you see coming up around money for spenders and savers? Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely a spender and entrepreneurs tend to be a spender and, and risk-taking is option there. Mm -hmm. And so spenders again, get, um, uh, usually good endorphins from spending money on other people uh, or themselves. And we, say yes, because pushing money back out into the world opens up more opportunities for us. And so we, we think that it's just, it just flows and we don't want to <laughs> always know what the flow is, but it, it flows. We just, mm -hmm. we have faith that it flows. Flows in faith. All right. <laughs> and um, so we're not always drawn to keeping money around the the reality though is there's this funny magical thing when a spender can save a little bit of money. It creates a very stable platform for them, for the business to save a little bit of money and for the owner, the household to have a little bit of money there. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just encourage people to do it, to try it. And to change our reaction of spending every little cent that comes in, we were often raised to be paycheck to paycheck. If you had um, a family or a household that was employee mindset. Mm -hmm. And so this is the, the habit we brought into our business is go from sale to sale to sale. And that keeps us into hustle. And as a spender, we are more than happy to <laughs> spend the money often before it comes in. So. Mm -hmm. What if we created a little pause, a little, a little tiny pause uh, to have money come in, celebrate it, and then intentionally put it into accounts that had a job. So giving money a job, what you, that means like on your bank accounts or everywhere you would see the bank information, it would have the job. So it could be, I know nobody wants to talk about taxes, but make a tax savings account just for that purpose. Mm -hmm. a profit savings account, an owner's wealth account. And so then we put them in that account. We create a smaller bucket for spending. And then the we are actually creating a habit for us to know how much do we have? How much can we afford? I hate, I don't really like that word, but how much can we afford to, to do whatever we want? Plus money can sit around for a little while. And it's like, oh, my job is to pay for taxes. Great. I'm going to sit over here. And when taxes come due, I will be here to support you. And it's really odd when you start to create that savings account, the profit account, especially you start to release some fear around luck. And you're like leaning into that going, oh yeah, I got this money's here. It's supporting me. But a, sa a saver a saver is going to automatically put money aside. Their thing is that they don't usually like to spend at all, especially on themselves. And that gets a little bit martyr, martyrdom 
around that. And so for them, saving is great. That's their natural go-to thing. What I like to encourage them is to create a fun money account and that they physically spend something on themselves every quarter, whether that's going out to dinner, going on vacation. Uh, I had a client buy a motorcycle. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and that really makes their creativity come alive when you start having these little fun little things with money. And that's what money's here. A, a spender already knows that money can be fun. Mm-hmm. They, they need the little bit more stable foundational savings. And a saver just needs to learn how to have fun with money. Awesome. I cannot in any way relate to a saver. <laughs> so I'm glad to have your expertise there. Um, but a thing I have noticed is that when I take Carl's advice and do things like save for taxes and have money in my 401k and my like the blah, 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 blahs. When I've done those things, um, you're right. Like just, if I'm freaking out about money, I just log in and I'm like, okay, let's look at your Roth IRA. See, we're doing all right. Look at your little savings account. We're doing all right. Look at your little profit account. We're doing all right. Um, there is a deep, we're doing all right feeling that doesn't come if it's just paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And you know, businesses, all, all this time, 35 years, every business I have worked with, you know, in zero, zero to five years is that hustle phase of business. And it is that paycheck to paycheck mentality. And so the sooner you can weave your way out of that uh, before you burn out, mm-hmm. the better and longer your business will be around. So more sustainable it will be. And so I guess the question is to client, to creatives that are going to push back on this because we do. Mm-hmm is how sustainable do you want this business model to be? Are you, is it just a hobby? Or are you just playing around with it? Or would you like it to be long-term? This is where I'm not ever going back. <laughs> I'm never right. going back to an employee. I need to make sure that this model works long-term. That's the sustainability and having some type of savings and making sure your owner's wealth is taken care of and giving back to the community and paying livable wages all of that comes into play for a sustainable business. That's such a beautiful, tough love question. I just wrote down, how sustainable do you want this to be? Is such a good, like, oh, you're right. (laughs) Otherwise it's a hobby and I get it. I did a hobby business for a long time. And even though it was six figures, even though I had team members and commercials, it was a hobby. If it wasn't paying and adding to my life, it's continually creating debt. That's a hobby. Oh, that sounds brutal. So I'm going to come back to you for a second with, um, I've found that, well, you know, the drill, if when something is catastrophic, um, that often there's some lesson in it, that's really helpful. And so which money experience was catastrophic at the time, but feels valuable to you now? Wow. That's a good question. The first, the, I have to go with my intuition of what first came up. The first thing that came up was um, when I sat down to have my first conversation with my partner, for some odd reason, I had given him complete authority over my business finances. Oh, God. He, he didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know that. But I, I literally, I was feeling in my body that I was going to the principal's office that, or, or, you know, that strong dad figure. And I was going to know my shame and guilt around it. He had no idea, but some reason in my body, that's what was going on. And I was like, oh yeah. So I am not being the own, my leader in my own business around money. I am. I'm so disconnected from this whole relationship here. That was probably the the first thing is like re- and realizing that energy because probably years before I didn't realize that energy I would just use food to comfort me enough to get through that piece. Uh, it it was it's still an interesting conversation. I am a lot better now about having that and being disconnected from his energy around talking about money mm-hmm. and just this is what the numbers are. This is this, if we want to change, then let's have a communication. Let's be partners in this. That's beautiful. But how horrifying to find that like, oh, I'm not the boss of me here. Isn't that funny? Cause it's my business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
probably some days I would have liked to have somebody else make some decisions. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Some days I want to have a boss who's like, just tell me what to do. It's fine. <laughs> just tell me. Yeah. Um, awesome. And, and can you talk to me a little bit about, cause I did not expect to hear that. Um, like, and then I would just put food on top of it and how do yeah. we, so how do we disengage those two things that there's this like money, stress and weirdness. And if we take the money stress away, then it might lead to more eating or if money stress increases more eating, or if money's great, then we travel to Paris and more eating. <laughs> like how do we break that? Like money equals food cycle. And you don't have to be an expert about this. You can just share your personal experience in any capacity you would like. Yeah. Well, one of the coaches that I worked with was that how we do money or how we do our calendars is how we do life. And it's all about receiving. How much are we willing to receive and how much are we willing uh, to distract ourselves from? And so since I wasn't willing to receive money, wasn't willing, I was very much in this role of give, 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 put everyone first before me. Uh, in my household, that's what happened. Like we would give everything to everybody and then we would eat last. We would get all the leftovers. Mm. And we would, um, one of the things when I started my business, I just wanted to make enough to pay the bills. I created that. So I had to really look at being able to receive and be grateful for it before I could create a bigger container or figure out that food was really how it was filling the holes. Um, and it was something I joked about a lot when I was first starting out in accounting. I, every time I would sit down to do the numbers for a business, so not even my numbers, uh, anybody's numbers, I would have to have popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why eating popcorn made my brain be able to finally focus on the numbers. And occasionally I still will have to do that, especially like if I'm pulling my taxes together, mm -hmm. I have to go create some popcorn, sit down and like, it helps me focus for that piece. But I know that I know I'm making that decision at that point. And so if you're replacing, bringing food in to replace that and filling those holes, it's a sign that we just need more self-love, more self-love, more pleasure in our own life. That doesn't have to necessarily be food. So that when we do go to Paris to enjoy all the food, we're actually enjoying the experience and the food and ourself being there. Uh, but there's some self-work there. There's some self-worth issues to, to look at. There is our mindset issues. Um, so a good therapist is helpful mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, journaling journaling when things like those come up. Um, I wouldn't have known a lot of this if my coach or therapist hadn't reflected back the words I was actually saying when these items, this, these topics would come up. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's amazing what you create when your subconscious is in charge. Yeah. It's amazing too, how, in, especially in pandemic, all, all roads lead back to therapy. <laughs> like, yeah. That as we become more self-aware, this naturally just opens up and there's, you know, there's work to do. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, so outside of your story, then just taking one step back to people that you work with in general, um, what is the most common mistake that you see uh, entrepreneurs making with their money and it can be super tiny or super huge just the most common the most the most common is because they're not tracking their numbers in any form and I'm not recommending a certain tool or anything you could just pen and paper but since mm -hmm. they're not tracking their numbers that means they're missing out on usually a lot of expenses for their business and so they could be paying more taxes because they're not tracking them very well. Um, and again, when I started my business, I would do my tracking at one o'clock in the morning. When you're in hustle phase, it's the last thing you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, when we don't track our numbers or make time or that money date with your numbers, I would forget to bill my clients. And so cash flow wouldn't come in. Um, so it's all about taking that time and tracking it in some format 
uh, until you, you know, you grow or you get more comfortable and then you can change how you, how you pull them in. But tracking is the first one. Awesome. Awesome. That's super helpful. And then at the opposite end, which activity or habit do you see entrepreneurs doing that really moves the needle forward in a, in a big way? Is it, does it come down to tracking? Is there something else that we should know about? Well, it, it tracking is the first step of it, but when a client isn't the lowest paid person on their team, when they are contributing to their household enough that they feel confident and comfortable and well taken care of, their business changes dramatically. That, that's it. When they allow money to show up and contribute to their lifestyle in the way it needs to, mm -hmm. their whole life changes. They show up more resourced. They show up ready to give. They attract better clients. Um, they hold better boundaries, basically. Mm. Beautiful. And, you, and again, you got to track your number so you know what that number is for your household and your business. Yeah, that that knowing your enough number is a good start. And then whatever goes from there is is fantastic. But um, I love it all. I've, I've been taking notes. I'm just sort of looking over everything. Um, what can help people that are listening right now to feel good about money in any capacity at this very moment? That's kind of a tricky question. It is, it's, and it's gonna seem like this is a, it, it's about having gratitude. Start a gratitude practice so that you can see how money's showing up. And that could be, uh, uh, there are several coaches out there that have a log, a, just a piece of paper that you put down Anytime you find money, you find five cents on the, you know, walking, you see, find a nickel, you find a penny, you find $20 here or there, you get a coupon, uh, somebody buys you coffee, you write it all down so that you can see all the money that's coming to you, all, all money that's coming in, you write it down. Uh, the other way is, is making sure that money is part of your gratitude practice every day, every day or your, and or your business because that's the vehicle for money to flow through you. Mm -hmm. The more that you can do that, the more, like remember physically when we're instead, we're looking at the lack and looking down, that gratitude and that awareness helps us look up so we can see more opportunities and possibilities. Beautiful. It's such a good metaphor that uh, gratitude is a, is a looking up, which is really beautiful. Uh, and in my notes here, I have talking about um, the book On Purpose, 12 Strategies to Reclaim Your Power and Change Your Life, talking yes. about money. And, um, and there's, you talked about consistency, structure, and gratitude. Can you talk a little bit, clearly gratitude, we have covered. What does consistency, structure, and gratitude look like in the context of a business owner? Yeah, so I'm really grateful. I, I, this is a collaborative book. So there's 12 different chapters, 12 different stories in here. And my story is like money is your best team member for your business. And so like any good team member, it requires the same things. And so it's consistency is about, we've talked about these things, like knowing your numbers, setting clear expectations of how money will show up. Like you would a team member. What, what is the clear expectation of their job? Mm -hmm. uh, Checking in with money every week is that Money Monday or that weekly. Uh, and I recommend that people start with weekly if they've been totally ignoring their numbers. And uh, weekly just works best for me, but mm -hmm. you could maybe change it to monthly if you want, but it's, it's a good way, place to start. And then ensuring that money shows up and delivers results is that after you've done all the investigating that you put things into place in your business, like changing how people pay you, making it easy for people to pay you, making it easy for things to come in and setting guidelines of like how you're going to pay. Like a lot of businesses often, and some industries are different. Some industries have to pay upon delivery, like restaurants. Mm -hmm. But what if you could pay your vendors or your team uh, twice a month or once a month after money has come in and been in the account for a while, then pay everybody. 
that you're in control, that you take the leadership role of your business. Uh, that's, that's that pause also of the money process. Can money come in, be held, celebrated, and then spent? And that's a big thing. If you can create a pause in how money flows through your business, uh, you'll, see, you'll start seeing different results. Uh, for me, I did. And then the structure, again, boundaries, give it a job title, stop recreating the wheel. A lot of people want to recreate the wheel when they do their accounting or bookkeeping updates. Um, just create a certain process that you're going to do. You're going to do every week and just consistency. Beautiful. So consistency, structure, gratitude, structure is a weekly money date. And for my people, if you're listening week, monthly is not an option. Weekly is <laughs> weekly is where it's at. Um, yeah. people are tend to be really avoidant of like money and all of that good stuff. So weekly would be fantastic. Um, how do you go about holding that space of pause? Is there like, cause it's an interesting thing. Cause it's like for me and all the books that I've read and all that good stuff, cash flow is always mentioned and sort of top of mind, but cash pause, not so much. <laughs> and that is uh, part of the cash handling system I teach, but it's, it's about, uh, and people will push back on this. Oh, I can do this with one bank account. And usually they are very number focused people. For me as a spender, I had to physically change how money came in. So money comes into my, my revenue account mm -hmm. and it was it, to start out, it was my operating checking account at the time. So it was already all set up. I just moved all my expenses and paying out of it. So that allows money to come in all week. It comes in, I celebrate it and then I move it into the other bank accounts. So that way I'm slowing down the process of money comes in, it pauses, it, it has fun. It's like, oh, she likes me. She mm -hmm. wants me to stick around. <laughs> and then I give money a, an intentional job when I make the transfers. I transfer to my profit account. I transfer to my owner's wealth account first. Um, and again, I'm putting the priority on what those the money's for. And then I put them into my operating account, my tax account. And then that way I'll then pay bills later. So again, it's, it's just creating, instead of processing, I used to pay bills first. Money would come in, I would automatically pay everybody and then I would get the leftovers. Mm -hmm. And so just by switching that up, like, no, I'm the priority. Without me, this business doesn't move forward. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna take mine first. And then we'll put it in the operating account. And if, if I'm living outside my means for the operating account and we're seeing debt increase, okay, what now I can actually tell. It's not because I'm taking everything out, which does happen for businesses. We tend to take every little bit out. We use the bank, the business as a bank. How can we change that? How can we like claim that the business needs to support us in this way that we're charging enough that we can actually see that and we're not having enough profit margin on our business. We can do that easily with having uh, intentional bank accounts to help us see those, those buckets. We can't see that in, in just one bank account. Yeah. It's sort of a clusterfuck otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Like I can see that. That makes perfect sense to me and to just separate it all out and leave it that way. Um, you appear to be quite brilliant. And so how do peeps work with you? Where can we find you on the interwebs? How do we give you money? What, what do you do for money officially? Um, cause we're profiting with Connie. Yes. But how do we give you money specifically? <laughs> well, as a cash flow and business mentor, it's always education first. And so I have a easy website. It's called money action tips, tips with an S.com. And on there, you can sign up for our easy. And there's a free report that talks about the three first steps of the cash handling system. And if, there, if this triggered any questions, there's an opportunity to get a complimentary 30 minute no sales conversation with me. Um, my books are full for December. I don't know when this thing to release. It'll be in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> it's in 2022 you're good all right awesome uh that uh that you have any of your questions answered before we even talk about what it would be look like to work with me uh but normally clients will come in and they'll want me to help with the numbers knowing that number knowing what their financial plan is and that automatically helps create a cash handling system for them the, the steps of what they'll need to do next 
And then some clients will choose to work with me on a regular basis. Um, my mentoring program clients normally work with me um, two to three times a month. They're a little bit therapy, a little bit cheerleader, a little bit like pulling their attention accountability back to what are they doing? Where are they going with it? And it's not just about the numbers. It's also about if you invest in a coaching program, I also want to talk about the bandwidth of that. What, how, what's the implementation? What are you, do you have time for both? Because just investing in stuff, something doesn't mean it's automatically going to osmosis, change your business. It's going to require somebody's time to put it in. If you're going to hire, it's going to cre create some of your time to make sure that team member is brought up to speed mm -hmm. and is successful. Um, so there's a lot of things besides just the money that we talk about in mentoring. And uh, it's across the board, wherever your business is at, you might have more time than you have money right now. Eventually though, you might be able to make better choices with how the money is being spent and leverage your time. Beautiful. Is there anything else that I have? Oh wait, no, because um, which tarot card did you pull this morning? Is that oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this uh, today's tarot card was the Prince of Wands, which I I love because it's that passion and creativity, which I, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to Kristen. There we <laughs> go. <laughs> so it's talking to your audience, and uh, you know that that uh, on my card, uh, which is the uh, Rachel True's card, uh, True Heart Intuitive, um, has this lovely phoenix um, on it, and so it is about tapping into that passion. And when we can tap into the passion, we show up as better entrepreneurs. Uh, so yeah, that's the card for today. But my my card for the week is about oppression. And so- Fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's uh, my card telling me, where can you delegate? What are you delegating? <laughs> Why do you have to do this all yourself? So uh, all cards always have a good side and a bad side. It's not, it's just like numbers. It's not that they're bad. It's a bad card. It's just our interpretation of it and how it might show up. Beautiful, beautiful. Is there anything else that, that I have not asked about or touched upon that you're like, okay, but I really wanted to talk about this because I am very happy to talk about anything you would like to talk about. Oh my gosh. Well, I would just like to, I don't know if people are feeling the energy of 2022, you know, 2022 is, uh, the energy of the lovers. And so I'm expecting more connection, more community, more creativity going into 2022. And so I'm very excited for it. And, but I also know that people are a little burnout and have you noticed from the creative community that that's, that's the case. Oh, um, I feel like the, the, like since pandemic has sort of been like well, this is the hardest thing ever. Um, <laughs> and we, we sort of went into that, or let, let me not make it about me for a second. I, well, um, I sort of braced and I was like, let me just take care of everyone else and this will be fine because it'll be all be over eventually. And then 2021 was like, maybe this is not all going to be over as quickly as I would like. And so, yeah, in 2022, um, my whole business is geared toward like, how can we get you together with other humans virtually in person with me in a group. I do not give a fuck. I just like people desperately need community and they do not need Facebook groups. That's sort of where that's where I'm feeling all of the energy toward is that like the big scalable programs of like, give us 10 grand and you'll get zero minutes with another human. Um, I don't see a lot of enthusiasm for those with my people. They need, no. they want each other. They want to be breathing in the same room together. Um, and they want to feel like, am, am I like, this is really hard. Am I, am I right about how hard this is? Yeah. You oh, are it, correct. <laughs> no, it's, and I think it's also, um, again, a number of focused people, uh, my partner's a, an engineer, they, they all in that employee mindset, they all want to get back to what life was and life is going to be different moving forward. We have new lenses, um, that we're looking through. We are, have new awarenesses. Um, and as creatives, we have more opportunities. And I think if we can like learn the lesson from what pan pre-pandemic has given us, 
and really tap into what our passion and what we want to create and feel that we can do that. Community is, I got my Oracle card this morning was community too. Um, so it is all about reaching out, asking for help, uh, meeting with others, moving us forward, even if it's in that vulnerable state, uh, that we're going to show up and be the best us in 2022. So it's going to, life's going to be different, mm -hmm. but what, what can we create under that different? Yeah. And only creatives can create under difference and uh, under being under a different attitude. Employee mindset people can't do that. <laughs> oh, that's such a helpful articulation of, of a lot of my frustration with um, some of my peoples. Cause I'm like, oh, you don't have the skills to be like, but I see it a different way. And here's a 10 point plan of how it could be different. Some people just don't sort of have that. And that sort of visioning is required at some level. So, yeah. Yeah. So hope, I think hope and faith for 2022. Those are key. So if, if, if any, if any of our conversation around money, money will be there to help support us, but to keep your hope and faith alive. Via any means necessary. Any, any means necessary, really, really lean into that. And so for me, um, really leap, leaning back into my divination practice every morning is what helps keep my focus on the hope and faith. Hmm. I love it. I love it. This has been Connie Vanderzanden at profitwithconnie.com. Moneyactiontips.com is where you want to go. Um, do you play on the socials at all? I I am over on Instagram. It's Connie.vanderzanden. And uh, I'm going to be mostly over on LinkedIn, I think, in 2022 and not give my money to um, uh, Zook. Zook. <laughs> <laughs> The Zook has enough money. <laughs> yeah, I think there, there's room here for a new platform. Uh, so I'll be on, I'll be looking for a new platform, but yeah, you can still find me over on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to find the joy over there, but socials are. really are not doing mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel you there. I feel you there. Awesome. Oh, and finally, I did not ask about this. And so final question um you identify as a highly sensitive person and what has that um I think for me for many people that's that can get victimy when it comes to things like pandemic um do you have any sort of last like sing us out kind of note on the gifts of being a highly sensitive person I think the highly sensitive person once you figure out where your energy is and how you use it is the most remarkable type of person that we have on our planet, because we are not only we're aware of our own energy, but everybody else's and we can walk into a room and instantly know what's going on, even though it takes us it takes us a while to figure out how to determine that I've worked a lot on having a clearing, a clearing energy for myself and being able to identify oh wait a minute. I'm not wanting, I'm want, not wanting to stuff food in me. I'm not feeling this. This is somebody else's <laughs> response <Okay>. here. <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. It's not mine. This is yours. You, you keep it, but I'm going to be able to like understand a little bit of what's going on here. We are the most highly tuned in people. And wouldn't it be interesting if the whole world was a little bit more tuned in and really that's a strength. And in any given relationship, this is a strength. And if you're doing consulting work, you're really going to make big changes for your clients by really tapping into that and, and acknowledging that that's what you need. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the highly sensitive is such a, like such a challenge, I would say for the first few decades of life. And then you're like, oh, I get how this works a little bit now. I think I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't talk about it, but I am 54. And so I am past the stage of uh, having no more fucks to give and <laughs> having a lot more confidence than I did in my twenties and thirties. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, and so if you are in that, in that 30 range and like, uh, this, I'm not connecting with what she's saying you will. And so if you're in your thirties and you're just identifying that this is an issue for you, figure really find how to ground yourself, clean your energy up, 
and identify what's yours, what's not yours, or ask and ask more questions because you will get to that confidence stage. You will, and it'll be dope. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much for being here, Connie. I'm going to stop recording, but you, everybody listening, wants to head to moneyactiontips.com. Pop your email address into wherever you want, and uh, we'll make some magic happen. Thank you. Thank you. It was awesome. <laughs> Yay, you did it. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.